Bill Meyer Games, and I'm here as usual on Wednesday at 10 o'clock Central Time here in St. Louis to share some Stillmeyer Games news, to discuss random topics, and to answer any non-spoiler questions that you have. Let's start off today, well, let's start today with the chocolate of the day. A friend of mine, a fellow podcaster, well, I guess I'm, I'm content creator, I wouldn't call myself a podcaster, uh, sent me these delicious chocolates. I actually sent me two boxes. This box is unopened. I already ate through the first box, but... Uh, my friend um, Mitchell from California sent me these. And actually, Mitchell, I had Mitchell on a, uh, a recording yesterday for a future top 10 list that you will see in the upcoming weeks. Um, I haven't done that too often, bring someone else in for a top 10 list, but it was really great to talk to Mitchell about his top 10 favorite games and about his shared love of chocolate. What is your treat of the day today if you are getting a treat? And if you're listening to this, if you can't see what I'm holding up, I'm holding up C's Candies Milk Caramel Apple Scotch Mallow, a combination that I was slightly dubious about when Mitchell mentioned it, but it actually worked, the, those flavor combinations work together really, really well. Good morning, Tony, George, Tim, Paul, Chris, Chrissa. Chrissa is kind to ask how Biddy is doing. You can see Walter in the background here, who looks similar to Biddy, but Biddy is a short-haired cat. And Biddy is doing pretty well. He's adjusting to his new life after having 15 teeth removed last Tuesday. So he's seven or eight days in at this point. He um, he seems to be doing really, really well. He I wouldn't say he's completely back to normal at this point, but he's eating food just fine. He's eating, drinking. He's interacting with us in a fairly normal manner. He's very snuggly, very cuddly. In fact, I woke up last night in the middle of the night. We're letting him kind of sleep on the bed a little bit more than normal. I woke up around 2 a.m. and I rolled over and found myself face to face with Biddy on the bed. He had his head on Megan's pillow and was facing me and it was kind of half, half awake at the time. He normally does not do this. He normally sleeps at best at the foot of the bed and usually in a different room. But he actually had his head on the pillow like a little human. It was really, really adorable. So overall, he's doing well. And um, his, his little tongue just sticks out a lot more than it used to. Uh, see some questions here from people. Stephanie says that her treat of the day is a little Debbie oatmeal cream pie. I'm glad you're treating yourself, Stephanie. And uh, Justin has some good news. He and his fiance adopted two kittens that were abandoned by their mom and they are as sweet as pie. That is wonderful, Justin. I, I hope the little kittens are treating you well and I'm sure you are treating them well. That is really, really adorable. I got Biddy as a kitten. I didn't, I got Walter as a rescue a little bit later. Biddy was also a rescue, but rescue as a kitten. Um, and it's wonderful for you to, to rescue those kittens and give them a home. Sandy wants to hear more about Wingspan Asia and the nesting box. So I do have the nesting box right here beside me. I'm going to show you what's in that nesting box today because I have it packed up. I took some photos of it recently. I shared them on Instagram today. And uh, let me, I'll come back to that in a second. Let me answer, Keith has a question. And I want to actually, before I get too far into this, I want to share some news about next week. So the short, long and short of it is that the shipping containers that contain that have Wingspan Asia and the nesting box inside of them arrived at, well, they're, they're sent to fulfillment centers around the world, but many of them were sent to the U.S. And uh, they arrived in Los Angeles in mid-September. And yet, due to uh, a myriad of issues that I'm not even quite sure what was happening at port there, but they have not gotten on the the train to head to st louis yet so we're now in late october and those containers that arrived in mid-september have still not gotten on on the train to st louis they're still in la some of them are still on the boat this is a pretty significant delay there I, we i mean we made them so far in advance in anticipation of an early november pre-order 
And so right now we are exhausting our options to try to get those containers to us as soon as possible. Our, uh, our freight shipping coordination company, our freight broker is in daily contact with the port to try to get them either onto the railroad or something called transloading where they just load it onto a truck, which costs a little bit more, but at least that we can get them to St. Louis. I'm letting you know this because for a long time now, I've said, that the, or a while now, I've said the early pre-order, the early November pre-order for the nesting box and Wingspan Asia. It is now possible that will have to change. We've already made these products, but we can't start selling them to you until we actually know that they're at least on the way to St. Louis, if not already in St. Louis. And really, we should probably wait until they actually arrive at the fulfillment center in St. Louis because we have two other containers that have been at the railroad in St. Louis for around three or four weeks now. I don't think Wingspan Asia or the nesting boxes in either of those containers, but they've just been sitting there at the railroad as well. Um, I, I can't tell exactly if this is a holiday thing, if this is related to the, the almost railroad strike that happened recently, but I want to be transparent with you and let you know what's going on there. And... Uh, yeah, so it is possible that even though I've said that the pre-order will happen next next uh, Wednesday on November 2nd, it's quite possible at this point that, that won't happen, that it won't happen until the next week or the next week. I don't know right now. So just want to let you know there's a little bit more uncertainty around that than I than I had hoped. And um, until we nail down that uncertainty and get rid of it, we're not going to pass on that risk or that uncertainty to you. We only want to accept your pre-order money um, when we know that we can immediately start to ship those products to you. So that is a little bit of Wingspan Asia and Nesting Box news. Let me jump over to a few questions and then I'll come back and show you some of the, the visuals that I have on my desk here today. Keith says he finally bought the Scythe art book. Any chance of a newer version with the two new factions will be included as well? Keith, I'm glad you got it and you're right. The, the original art book was made with the original Kickstarter campaign for Viticulture or for, uh, for Scythe back in 2015 and it doesn't include content from the expansions. There is some art... Um, from the, I mean, in the in the big complete Scythe rulebook, there's some art from the Rise of Fenris, as is the case in this the Rise of Fenris rulebook. But we know we don't plan on making any new Scythe, uh, anything for Scythe itself, any new products for Scythe. So we don't end up, we don't plan on um, adding to that book. But I appreciate you getting the original book. It's full of art from Scythe. Let's see. Uh, Lloyd, Lloyd asked, have I tried Marvel Snap? Uh, yeah, someone talked about Marvel Snap on last week's podcast or last week's livecast, and I, I was curious, and so I went and played it. And I actually, Lloyd, I did a video about it on my YouTube channel on Tuesday, where you can hear my thoughts about Marvel Snap. The short summary of it is: I really enjoyed Marvel Snap. It's a really, really good uh, digital game for tabletop gamers, um, and it's I, I've been playing on Steam on my computer. I, actually, I would say I played it on, on Steam on my computer. I've been trying to resist playing it because I have a lot of work to do and don't want to get sucked into it. But it is a really good game, and it does play very fast, too. If I had better self-control, I, I could probably take, like, a 10-minute Marvel Snap break and play three games in that time. Um, uh, but it's really, it's a, it's a fairly addictive game, so it's hard to tear yourself away from it. Timotep says he's looking forward to the rollout of the next Wingspan expansion and news on the Tapestry expansion on the pipeline. What games are you excited to receive? Um, I don't have any news about the Tapestry expansion right now, but we are moving forward with the next Tapestry expansion. And uh, also the Tapestry rubber playmat, uh, which is in one of these containers that's in Los Angeles right now, that's on the way as well. Uh, what games am I excited to receive? I, I recently received a few games that I'm very excited about. And actually, let me mention one of them right now, which is the Wanderer's Guide. It isn't actually a game, but it's a 
kind of a companion to role-playing games. So if you're playing a role-playing game and you're like in a city and you can open the book to this page and say, okay, we're in the city, we're moving around here, we're going to this shop, we're going to this shop. Um, this is illustrated by the Tapestry Illustrator, actually, Andrew Bosley. And it just is so full of these beautiful visuals of different places that you can visit and use as a visual if you're playing a role-playing game. Now, I'm not a role player, but I, I, I love building worlds and exploring different worlds. And so that's, and I love Andrew's work. And so I, that's why I backed this, this, uh, this companion to, to see what types of worlds, what types of landscapes are worth, uh, worth exploring in, uh, in a fantasy world. Really beautiful stuff from Andrew Bosley. Anyway, I'm really excited about the Wanderer's Guide. And in the back, I was surprised to find that they included uh, little one-shot stories for role-playing games. And, and, I, and that's really, really interesting to me. I actually just recently backed a, a book of 100 one-shot uh, like mini-campaigns for role-playing games. Because I, I don't really have the... I don't feel like I have the time or the, the desire to play a, a long, ongoing role-playing game campaign, but a one-shot is really intriguing to me. So, yeah, this book is is, is perfect for me. Uh, I have Walter behind me. You okay, bud? Walter's just going to stare at me for the next hour. Um, let's see. Chris says uh, he got tapestry in the mail on Monday and is working his way through the rules. He is enjoying the painted miniatures. He says the playmats have a nice texture on them. What type of texture is that? And what was the reasoning for doing that? He hasn't seen playmats like that before. I was just curious. So yeah, Chris, I wanted, um, so a couple of things went into this decision for the tapestry playmats. One is I wanted them to be fairly thin, which is usually seen as a downside, but uh, the thicker the playmat, the more likely it is to warp over time or in humidity or different climates. And so if you have a thinner playmat, it's less likely to warp. And so we wanted to pick thinner playmats so they wouldn't warp, but I wanted them to still feel pretty nice. And so I was looking through a game called, oh, I always forget the name of this game. Uh, but there's another game that uses frosted, a frosted texture on their playmats. And I felt this and I was like, that is really, really nice. I want to put this in tapestry to make these thinner playmats feel like a luxury component. It's something that we also have in Wingspan. In Wingspan, there's there's frosting, I believe, on the, the playmat there. Maybe we got rid of that at one point and just went to normal. But uh, it's something that we've used to, uh, to just make a, a normal texture, normal surface feel really, really special. Uh, Dave mentioned an announcement. Yeah, from Monster Couch. Monster Couch announced yeah, yesterday, I believe. So they are the digital developer for Wingspan and they announced that they are working on the Oceania expansion and that uh, that it's coming. I believe they're announcing it well in advance. So they're announcing it so you can put it on your wish list and things like that. But I believe it is months out from when it will actually be released. But they are working on it. And the announcement kind of says that not only are they working on it, but they, they have a, a date in mind for actually releasing it. So I'm really excited about that. Tony, so Tony has, has uh, kind of been inspiring me to play a spooky game for Halloween. I'll read Tony's comment and then I'll tell Tony about the spooky game that I played this past weekend. He said uh, his group's Halloween spooky game of the week for the month. This week's game was Horrified American Monsters. He says he's happy to say his group brought down the Mothman, the Ozark Howler, and the Jersey Devil without major loss of civilian life. Tony, we played... Oh, here's Walter. Hey, bud. Walter wants to say hi. Here's Walter. I think he actually wants his food. So Walter and Biddy usually share some dry food, but Biddy can't eat dry food right now because he had his teeth taken out. So Tony, we played Betrayal Legacy. I was talking about this last week on the livecast. I got together with a few friends and played the pro, pre, prelude or prologue for uh, Betrayal Legacy. And then we played a game of Betrayal Legacy. 
this past weekend. And I really enjoyed it. So we played the first two games of it. Obviously, no spoilers here. I do have a, a non-spoiler video about that coming out, out fairly soon, maybe this week. Um, but that was our spooky game of the month. And I definitely enjoyed it enough to, to return for another game if we want. It is a nice, flexible legacy game and that you don't have to have the same players every time you play. But, uh, but I would like to give it another try. Um, yeah, yeah, we had a lot of fun doing that and definitely fit the, uh, the Halloween feel of this month of October. Adam says he's staying this week in Florida, and last night it was so peaceful outside on the balcony listening to birds, and it made me want to turn on the switch wingspan to listen to all the birds to see what I was hearing. That's awesome, Adam. Yeah, and I, I, it's one of the, the perks of the digital version of wingspan. It has wonderful music and bird sounds and things like that all incorporated into the app. Danny says, love your games. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Danny. I appreciate that. That's, uh, that's very kind of you to say. Eric says, question about the size of sleeves on cards that will fit in the nesting box. What size will it accommodate? The standard sleeves I have don't fit in the trays that come with a base or any of the expansions. I can provide measurements. I have them right here. Um, that's interesting to, to know, Eric. We, I mean, I designed the the trays to fit sleeves and uh, to have like plenty of wiggle room in terms of uh, length and width for the, the sleeves. So are you saying that when you put the sleeves in the containers that come with wingspan, that length and width wise, they don't fit? Or are you saying the sleeves are so thick that uh, that height wise, like as you, as you pile up those sleeves, they don't fit? Um, either way, in the nesting box, I uh, designed part of it to hold sleeves of, of pretty wide sizes. So even wider, I would say, than the original um, than the original tra trays, but there's a limit to that space. You can see the photos on our website to see what I'm talking about. There's on the middle layer, there's a, a side section. In fact, I could show it to you in a second. Why don't we delve into that now? Um, that has uh, that has a space for, for sleeved cards or unsleeved cards, but that's just one place of many places to hold the cards in this nesting box. Let's dive into that and then I'll get back to questions in a second. I wanted to show you what the wingspan nesting box looks like a little bit set up here. So here is the, the cover of the nesting box. Um, and on the inside of the box, you have instructions for each layer of the box to show you where different things can go. So if you, uh, there are many, there are mo modular ways for you to piece together the, this organizer box, but this is one of the configurations that you can consider for it. Put that top down over here and let's look at the top layer. Um, so in the top layer, I have a couple different things here. So I have some score pads. You don't have to put the score pads here, but I have mine here. I have the rule book, and most importantly, I have the player mats. And you can see, it's a little hard to see right now. It's a little bit heavy, but I have two sets of player mats here. It holds two complete sets of player mats, up to seven of each player mat uh, on either side. Really, you only need six on either side uh, because uh, there, there's typically, there's five in Oceania, there's five in the core game, and there's two in Wingspan Asia. And then below them, which is a little bit harder to see, but below them, there's room for the neoprene mats to lay flat. So you don't have to roll up the neoprene mats anymore, fold them. They lay flat underneath the player mats. So you can have the cardboard player mats and the, and the uh, rubber player mats all in this top layer. Let me help Walter get down here. Okay. Then in the middle layer, let's get to the middle layer here. It's another heavy layer. This is gonna be a pretty heavy box once you fill it with stuff. I don't wanna dump it everywhere. Okay, here we go. Here's the middle layer. And Eric, here's what I was talking about with the cards. So this section over here is for cards. It has cardboard dividers, so you can divide up uh, cards by, by divider if you want. It also has some built-in dividers, um, unlabeled, 
directly in the box. That's how you can see these cards are separated right now. And uh, there's there's definitely room length and width wise. Like you can see how, how much room there is over on the edge uh, to fit the cards. There's extra room up top as well. Here we have the setup tray. So this tray is just used for setup. It goes up to seven players, has dice in it and different goal. It has the goals, it has player tokens. And then we have two, actually we have three trays that hold food and eggs. And so these are more than enough. And actually these, I would say one of these trays will be used to hold um, the, uh, the, the uh, duet tokens from Wingspan Asia. And also there's a new deeper um, card tray right here as well. So there, there's some places to put cards here. You can put cards in this card tray as well. Over here, we have a bird feeder, and the nesting box does include a new bird feeder in the box. It's the same, essentially the same as the original bird feeder, but I've heard from a lot of people that their bird feeder is worn thin or worn worn out, or when they assembled it, they broke it in the first place. And so we, we tweaked it a little bit to make it a little bit easier to assemble. Um, and so we included another punch board in here. And over here, you have bonus cards. You have Altama cards, first player tokens right over there. Actually, you can put the first player token there too. And then the bottom layer, let's see, I'll put this back here. The bottom layer is probably the most modular layer because uh, we haven't designed, or Elizabeth has not designed the future expansions yet. So we need room for future stuff too, that most of it I think will fit in the, the, um, the middle layer. But if it doesn't, then we have the bottom layer here as well, where you can put uh, card trays if you have them. Um, it's okay if you've thrown yours out, we might include others in future expansions and uh, a bunch of the resource containers if you have those down here again it's very modular this is kind of like an extra space for for stuff that um that we haven't designed yet that we don't have yet or stuff that extra stuff that you already have including like if from meeple source if you have their special bird tokens they can go down here yeah let me know if you have any questions about what i just described i know i missed some questions here carl says what is walter's favorite game probably ping pong or ribbon he loves ping pong and ribbon uh, Corey says from Blue Falcon Board Gaming, have I seen Hike It on Kickstarter yet? It was an instant back for me between the theme and the mechanisms. You know, I don't think I've actually seen that on Kickstarter yet. Um, Corey, could you post a link in the comments here and I'll, I'll click over to it and check it out? Genway says that I played Endless Winter. I've not played Endless Winter yet. I might have the chance tonight, but I'll probably, I have some people that I told I would teach Flamecraft tonight at game night, so I'll probably play that instead. But I am very excited and curious to play Endless Winter. Let's see. Hannah says, have the cats ever eaten a game component? I don't think they've eaten one. They definitely have knocked game components off tables, things like that. But they, we also have taught them really well to stay off tables. So, but they've never eaten it. Have your cats ever done that? We do hear, we get reports every now and then of dogs eating game components. And of course, we are happy to replace those components when that happens. But not so often cats. Don't hear that about cats all that often. Uh, Craig says, have I investigated using the Tower Rex Wingspan storage solution in the nesting box? So we designed the middle layer. The middle layer of the nesting box is essentially the same size as, uh, it's a little bit less, but um, it's essentially the same size as a wingspan box. We investigated a lot of different custom third-party inserts um, to make sure that if you wanted to, you could take out all this stuff from the middle and insert it in here. And what we found is that most of them uh, were the dimensions of most of a wingspan box, but not the entire box. Usually there was like a side section where they had something else that was separate. So uh, 
Craig, I haven't investigated that specific storage solution, but we did design this middle area so that you could take these, these inserts out and plop in a third-party insert if you already own one in particular. Basically, we didn't want to negate anyone's purchase that they've already made for a special insert. Andrew says, does the pre-order delay affect European orders via Spiral Galaxy? Andrew, that's a good question. So typically, we launch worldwide pre-orders at the same time because I think it's less confusing for people. In this case, we um, it's pretty much just the U.S. that doesn't have their Wingspan Asia and nesting box yet. I think Canada is close, but Canada should receive it very soon. So... I don't know. I mean, it, it's possible maybe for the first time if there is just a delay in the U.S. that we could open the pre-order for non-U.S. customers, uh, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and Europe, because we have everything there to ship. We, we could go ahead and do that. That is certainly something that we might consider. I don't know yet, though. Alendra says, when are we going to see the Tapestry rubber playmat? It's on these shipping containers that I mentioned that are on their way but haven't arrived yet. And so I think it's probably likely in December or January that they will arrive at our fulfillment centers and we can start selling them then. Josh says, he's a bit tired today. What do you tend to do to gain energy to get through the day when you don't get a good night's sleep? I'm sorry to hear that you're having a, a tired day today, Josh. Um, I do drink a little bit of coffee. Usually I drink, you know, half a cup of coffee a day. Uh, just because I, I I like it now. It's fairly new to me as an adult. Um, what do I do? You know, sometimes, honestly, if I'm really feeling tired, if I'm really, really feeling it, I'll take a little nap. Um, that's one of the perks of working from home. I'll lay down, take a 20-minute power nap. Sometimes Walter comes and lays on my belly during the nap. And that really helps me. I know everyone has different napping needs and, and schedules and preferences, but I found that can be really helpful for me if, if I had that option. Sometimes I'll also go for a walk, and that can that can wake me up. Chad says he and his wife purchased a new house. He's dealing with packing, moving, and putting his current house up for sale. What should we play to celebrate once we're fully moved in? Anyone can chime in here and answer Chad's question. And actually, Chad remembers reminds me that, uh, that, uh, that I have a question of the day to ask you as well. What should you play, Chad, to celebrate your new house? Um, I don't know. Play, play a comforting game. What's a game that's really comforting to you? I would play that in a new home. Uh... The question that I wanted to ask you today, I meant to lead off with it from last week, was which games, game or games from Stonemaier Games do you own, but you haven't actually played yet? And let me know why. I'm curious why. Uh, I won't take any offense if there's a if there's a bad reason to it. I'm just curious. If you have any Stonemaier Games that you have not played yet, let me know what they are and why you haven't played them yet. Just curious. That's my question of the day today. Let's see. Chris says, based on my suggestion last week, he tested out sleeved cards for wings for Viticulture World. He says he thinks the sleeves are a little too thick to store them in the organizer that came with the box, but he could fit them in a couple Dragon Shield boxes. So Chris was talking about the insert that we designed for Viticulture World, which is I designed it so that you could stack sleeve cards up and hopefully have room. But it sounds like that particular type of sleeve sleeve doesn't uh, doesn't quite fit in there. Let's see. Um, Danny says, is your website going to be selling Euphoria again? It's one of the only games he needs to complete his Stolmeyer collection. We do, you know, Danny, we, we do have Euphoria. Let's see if we have it in stock right now. It may not be in stock in all of our fulfillment centers. Looks like we have some in stock in the U.S. Let us know where you are, Danny. And uh, and uh, from your, your uh, avatar, it looks like maybe Canada. Um, 
and make sure to put in a back in stock notification on the, the corresponding store because we do have some in stock in the US and so we could send them to other fulfillment centers if we're out of stock there. Let's see, uh, some people talking about sleeves here. Uh, Ronak says, have I played Nurushima Hex? He says he just discovered it and it looks very interesting. I have not played Nurushima Hex, so no, I haven't. Uh, Tony has a question. Let me jump around really quick. I had a beautiful day of disc golf this past weekend. I think I threw the farthest I've ever thrown a disc. It was partially downhill, but I really got the curve going. I, and I think I threw it around 450 feet, which is around 100 to 150 feet farther than I've ever thrown a disc before. Um, felt really good to do that. Also hosted a magic draft for Dominaria United and had a great time doing that with, with five other people. We had a, a six-person draft of Dominaria United. One thing I wanted to show you is that we are investigating, if you have followed along kind of the eco-friendly efforts that we're pursuing in Stomar Games, um, we are testing the option of using thin paper wrapping for decks of cards instead of, of shrink wrap. Because shrink wrap just gets thrown away and plastic sits in, in landfills for years and years and years. But paper um, biodegrades much faster and is re usually recyclable. So this is glued together. There's no plastic or tape or anything like this. It's just glued together. So we're testing this. Um, and so far, it looks promising, but not perfect yet, because some of the glue that was glue, used to glue it together also got on the cards inside this pack. So this isn't even a Stomeyer product. This is a, a sample that, that Panda sent us. But I wanted to let you know that we are working on that. We are working on um, the possibility of using paper to uh, like paper wrap decks of cards from now on, and potentially in the future, even game boxes. Uh, instead of using plastic wrap. So that's something that we're, we're working on. These things take time to figure out. We want to do them right. And this is one of those examples of like, if we had just implemented this out of the gate with paper wrapping, uh, we would have gotten a ton of customer complaints about glue on the card. So it's important that we test it and get it right before we actually move forward with it. Oh, shoot. Uh, Facebook just scrolled past a question that was about board cubator, I believe. Um, and, uh, and, let, and let me actually come back to that before I miss any other questions. I'll, I'll put a pin on that. Genway says, will we be able to receive pre-orders of the nesting box and the Asia expansion before Thanksgiving in the U.S.? I don't know yet. That's what I was just talking about with the shipping uncertainty right now. It all depends on when the shipping containers for Wingspan Asia and the nesting box actually arrive at a fulfillment center in, um, in St. Louis. Luke says, have I seen the Pocketbook Adventures on Kickstarter? It's a point and write. Essentially, you use a blind pencil point. Uh, no, I, I have not seen that. That's a, that's a really cool um, a cool method of, of pointing at something. No, that's really cool. Um, I haven't heard of that. Let's see. People are, a few people are commenting on, on my question. Let's see. There's a, Smitten came up, Libertalia, Viticulture World. So these are Stonemeyer games that you own but haven't gotten to play yet. Nancy Jane says that she has viticulture, but hasn't been able to find someone to play it with you. Oh, that's too bad, Nancy Jane. Um, Jinwei has Euphoria and Rolling Realms. Josek has Tapestry. Yes, I'm always curious about this, uh, about which games people have on their shelf of opportunity, but haven't played yet. Now I'm trying to see if there's any patterns between certain Stonemaier games that might be, maybe fit that bill. Chris says Charterstone and Scythe. I won't read all these out loud, but I am reading them to myself here. Mark says he can't wait for new releases for the Rolling Realms promo packs. Will there be any before 2022 ends? I don't know yet, Mark. It kind of is dependent on all these shipping containers that are coming in. Um, I'm hoping to. Like, Kind of my general hope is 
between releases that we'll have that will release um rolling realms promo pack so if we have like a big release like wingspan asia in early november then we might do something in, in december but currently i don't know if we'll actually even have wingspan asia in time for early november so that might change what we do in december so i can't say yet i haven't made that decision yet but we're hoping to have a bunch of them in stock at fulfillment centers that we can have ready to use and so there may not even be a, a lot of um a time before like we decide and then when we actually announce it and, and release it in the future it's just uh we'll just go for it people seem excited about the paper wrapping if we can get the glue to work jordan says how much time does it take from a, take a first prototype to get to the table from the initial idea and how much work do you put into it please give an example with a game of yours maybe tapestry because we own it in game and love it so much so for tapestry I probably spent around a month like brainstorming what I wanted Tapestry to be and uh, and building the prototype and then getting it to the table uh, for the first time. And that prototype was very, very different than what the final game looked like. It took a lot of iterations of playtesting to figure out how the tracks would work, how the tech trees would work, things like that in Tapestry. Um, the first three prototypes really looked very, very different than the final version. Um, completely different. It looked uh, a lot more spreadsheety, I think, than the final version did. And some games take a lot longer than that. So I, I often tend to linger in the brainstorming process because I really love that part of the, the, the process, even though I know it's really good to get to the game to the table and see what works and what doesn't work out of the gate. Um, but yeah, I often spend maybe a month or two brainstorming and building that initial prototype. And then after that, I kind of get into rapid fire um, playtesting and iterating over many, many months after that. Eric says, not sure where we're located. We're located in St. Louis. I, I, I live in St. Louis and work in St. Louis and play in the disc golf courses here in St. Louis. We have a no, number of great courses here. Tim said, Phil says, not Tim. Phil says, any plans to release Red Rising play mats or restock upgraded, or restock upgrade packs? The upgrade packs I'm not sure about. Um, we haven't seen that there's enough interest in us in them to actually make a full print run. We have to make a, a minimum of, of a thousand of anything when we make anything. However, uh, we have talked about the Red Rising playmats for quite a while now, and they are indeed on the way. In fact, you can see them in our recent charity auction. You can see a photo of what it looks like because they were a part of the recent charity auction. We haven't received them yet. They're in shipping containers, so we already produced them. We've made them. They are on their way to fulfillment centers, but uh, they haven't arrived yet. So I'm hoping that we will make them available very soon, maybe in December, if they have arrived by then. Sorry, Tony. Thank you, Tony. Uh, scrolled right past your question. So Tony says, any thoughts on the recent news regarding pro the Project L publisher Board Cubator folding? They announced they were canceling their crowdfunding campaign for Kingdom Come Deliverance despite the game raising over $300,000, which was more than three times the initial funding goal. All 2,300 backers of the campaign won't be charged with their pledges. Um, yeah, which is the case for any crowdfunding campaign. If you cancel during the campaign, no charges have been made. And Board Cubator announced that they were planning to shut down their studio. Yeah, this came up a few weeks ago. I have a related blog post, Tony, um, where I was talking about... What was the top of that blog post? Let's see how I talked about it. Because um, I tried to talk about it with empathy. Because it's that's a really tough situation, I think, if you're a publisher that was... Okay, yeah, it was in the post that no designer, publisher, or IP is foolproof. Um, not to say that Board Cubator thought that they were foolproof, but they had built up a pretty good audience. I think they thought they were going to raise over a million dollars in that campaign, and they didn't. Um, and I, I, that's, that's really unfortunate that that, that, that happened, because I know they put a lot of time and effort into that game. Um, and in that post, I talk about some of the things to, to kind of check yourself as a publisher and just 
be ready for that possibility and to do everything you can to prevent that from happening. Um, I don't know, just from one human being to another, that human beings who, who put their time and passion and energy and resources into that game, just my heart goes out to them. I, that, that really sucks that they, they really tried to make something that they believed in come to life and, um, and it, it just wasn't possible based on the investment that they put into it versus how much they actually needed to fund to uh, to, to make it happen. Yeah, maybe they could have put a more accurate funding goal there uh, so backers could have known what they really needed to, to make or to, to raise to make it happen. But uh, but I don't I don't hold that against them. I mean, they were just trying to, to do their best to get excitement to, to overfund and then and then wildly overfund and it didn't happen. And yeah, I, I feel bad for them. Julia says, what if the paper wasn't glued, but just folded? So this is for the, the paper wrapping decks of cards that we're considering. Julia says, maybe then if there was a paper ribbon that wrapped around the paper and that it was glued to hold the paper in place, but then the actual wrap wouldn't need glue. That's an interesting idea, Julia, because um, that is one of the current ways that we've explored it, just having like a paper band around it. You can see that in Viticulture World, just has a paper band around it instead. And that works when there's a really nice insert holding those cards in place. But if the cards have any possibility of coming free, then a simple paper band doesn't work. But what Julia is saying here is that you add the paper band to this packet. So instead of uh, gluing right here, you uh, you just fold the flaps and then put a paper band around it. And Julia, I th it's an interesting idea. I think the answer is automation. Um, like picture this for Wingspan. We make you know hundreds of thousands of copies of Wingspan. It needs to be automated. So you need to be able to run this deck of cards through a machine and have that machine paper wrap it. And to have that machine also put a paper band around it Seems unlikely. It seems like two different machines there in play. Maybe that's possible. I, I think it's definitely worth exploring. But I think a lot of the times the answers to these questions come down to automation. Like, can this actually be automated? Because I, I can't, I, I can't possibly see myself asking um, people who work at Panda to individually hand wrap each of these things or, or hand, uh, hand uh, bind each of these individual packs of cards. So. That, that, that's part of the question. Automated, can it be automated, I think, is, is part of the question. Uh, Carol says, if we need two nesting boxes, one for gift, I know there would be two, these would be two shipping boxes in cost. However, would we need to make two separate orders? And the answer is yes, Carol. Yeah, we are, we are um, the, the nesting boxes are prepackaged. Uh, so, so that they'll arrive in pristine condition to use. They're prepackaged, essentially an entire carton. One carton is one nesting box. And our web store can't handle that type of order where you're putting two different things that are going to be shipped separately within the same order. So you would need to place separate orders if you want separate nesting boxes. Um, I'm hoping most people just order one because we only have 10,000 in the first print run. But I understand if you want to get them as a gift, that, that's totally understandable, but you'll need to place multiple orders to do that. And also... This is a different, this is a change to an answer that I previously said in a, a while ago. You won't be able to add anything to your nesting box orders either. So we're setting up our Webster so you just won't be able to do that. So um, normally that's a, a little bit of a downside here because normally I, I like when people can consolidate things for shipping. But given that the nesting box is prepackaged for shipping, uh, it creates a bunch of complications and it throws our costs way off if people are adding additional stuff onto that. So if you want to buy the nesting box and other things, um, you'll need to place two separate orders for it. Genway says he uh, thinks the lookout game is using paper wrapping as well. Seems to use some of the games from Essen 
being unboxed using paper wrapping. That's awesome. That's great to hear uh, that the other publishers are, are exploring these, these possibilities as well. George says, when will the next session of Rolling Realms, when will it be? When will, will it be live or recorded? The next one will be live. I experimented with uh, higher resolution, but not live next week. It'll probably be next week, like next weekend, George. Um, not not the coming weekend, but in, in around nine days, I think will be the next one that I do. I've been doing kind of every every other week. Tim says, do I have a preferred software for making cards for your prototypes? I do. I use InDesign. I'm not very proficient at it, but I've used InDesign for a while. I'm pretty comfortable in InDesign. And yeah, that's what I use to design cards. Uh, let's see. Jordan says, Jordan was the one that asked the question about uh, prototyping a game for the first time. He says, I'm curious if you did some serious work for Tapestry first prototype in InDesign or if you just drew some cards on pieces of paper and drew the game board with a pencil or, or something. I did a very rough prototype in InDesign, but I, I like to work in InDesign from the, from the start. I, I don't, I can't think of a time where I've done anything by hand. I have made edits by hand during a playtest, but um, usually I'm using InDesign from the start. And Jordan says he's working on his first prototype. That's awesome, Jordan. He says it takes time to work through all the different cards, player boards, and main board with GIMP. He's using uh, G-I-M-P. Totally get that. Yeah, I mean, find the method that works for you. I just, I, I prefer to work um, work on InDesign from the beginning, especially since I've, I've made so many prototypes at this point that I have a lot of templates pre-built that I can pull stuff into. And it just ends up being smoother for me in the long run if I do it that way. Uh, things I'm watching right now, uh, we're watching Andor at night. We did finish uh, House of the Dragon this past weekend. And what else are we watching? Our after our lunchtime show is Home Economics, just a light comedy right now. But we're really enjoying Andor. It's, it's a very different Star Wars show. Um, I'm curious what you all are thinking about it. I think we're through four episodes so far, three or four episodes. Um, but I'm really enjoying it so far. And videos and posts I made recently, I made a post about games with waning decision spaces. So decision spaces that get uh, more and more narrow uh, as you play the game. Something that I didn't think that I would really enjoy. But as we talked about this with uh, the decision space podcast recently, as I talked about it, I found that uh, there are a lot of games and a lot of Stonemaier games and games that I enjoy that fit that category. So I did a video about that this past weekend. Did a post. Uh, what did I do this post on? Uh, yesterday or Monday was about three ways to better serve customers and two ways customers can help publishers serve them. I'll highlight those two things real quick since we're talking about this live. Um, I talked about Design Day last Thursday. This, these are the Stone Games blog posts. But the two things that I can suggest to you if you're watching this video, if you enjoy board games and you have you ever have questions for publishers, two questions I see come up quite a bit that you can ask in a different way to get a faster answer. Um, and the biggest one by far is if you have a question about a specific card or a specific text um, of any ability, specific text, include the text, type the text in the question itself. Because so many times I, I get questions from people saying like, okay, in tapestry card, in the tapestry card uh, migration, um, and they ask the question. But it means that I have to find that card and you might be surprised to think that I, I don't have all these cards memorized. I don't have them all in front of me. I have to go hunt down that card and find it. Even digitally, it takes some time to do that. So since you, when you're asking the question, you probably have that card right in front of you as you're asking, it can save everyone a lot of time and can get the question, the answer to you much faster 
if when you are asking that question, you include the text of the card in the question itself. Or if you're asking it on a platform where you can just include a photo of the card, that's great too. That's the biggest thing. Number one thing to anyone watching this right now, if you ever have a question about a card, include the text of that card in the question itself. The second part, which is uh, less likely, but we have had this happen, um, we get a lot of questions from people about the non-English versions of our games. And so if you are in a different country or you follow a different, the non-English versions of our games or any game, make sure you ask the publisher of that language. So for example, if, you're, if, a question, if you have a question about the French version of a game, ask Matigo. And usually it should be pretty obvious that Matigo is the publisher. They're on the box. Uh, Matigo is the publisher on the box. So if you have a question about, a, a, I don't know, a, a specific card in the game in, in their language, if you have a question about um, whether or not they're going to release a new product or when they're going to release it, that is all information for that publisher to share, not the, the, the original source publisher. So make sure if you're asking language-specific questions, go to the publisher who publishes the game in that specific language. To, and those two things can help publishers serve you a lot more directly and a lot faster and a lot more transparently if you go to the right source or if you include the text in that question. Just two things that I think can help everyone. Let's see, Barry says, when will we be able to order the nesting box at Wingspan Asia? So yeah, Barry, I'm happy to repeat this here. So right now, I don't know. I was hoping that answer for sure would be next Wednesday, but we are finding that the, the containers, the freight shipping containers from China to the US that have uh, Wingspan Asia and the nesting box in them, They've been at port in Los Angeles for over a month now, and they have not shown forward movement to St. Louis. And so until we see that forward movement, until we actually know that they're going to arrive in St. Louis, we can't, uh, we, I don't feel comfortable asking you to start pre-ordering them because then you'll have the expectation, as we've set for many other pre-orders, that we'll start shipping it right away or within a few weeks. So I don't know, Barry. I'm hoping it's next week. I'm hoping we can have a breakthrough in the next couple of days um but we're down to the wire now and um we might end up having to push that back by a week or so uh yeah so that's the news about wingspan asia and the nesting box either way we will let you know if you have signed up for our e-newsletter or you are a stonemeyer champion or you have signed up for a launch notification for the wingspan asia for wingspan asia or the nesting box uh three different ways you will know for sure when we launch those products Tony says, I'd love to see the inner workings of a place like Panda. It has to be fascinating to see components being produced, things like paper wrapping being programmed. I'm sure they keep that stuff under wraps. Some of it they do, but a lot of it they actually show. If you go to their website, Panda shows, I think there are some videos on their website that show quite in detail things being made, things being processed. Um, it's pretty cool to see. I, I totally agree. It's really, really cool to see behind the scenes of what Panda does. Carlos says, you mentioned that you want to finish the design of your open world game this year. Uh, so yeah, the initial design of my massive tabletop cooperative open world game, um, Carlos asked how it's going. And Carlos, I've been making some really, really good progress lately. And uh, having that goal in mind for finishing the initial design by the end of 2022. And that just, by that, I mean the initial design so I can really start playtesting it. So just the initial prototype, essentially, is what I'm creating here. It's just such a big world. It's not something I can, I can whip together like other games. Um, but yeah, that, that initial prototype is, is going really, really well. I'm, I'm excited to, to, for the progress that I've been making on that. Michael says, have you, tried, have you had a chance to try my father's work? And I have not. He says, it does a really good job of combining a thematic story with a complex worker placement resource management game. That's cool. I've heard mixed things about it, but I, uh, that's great that you've had a great experience with it, Michael, and I, I definitely need to try it. 
Let's see, Julia says, also, while, while not ideal, in the meantime, the plastic wrap that goes around the cards can be taken to bag or wrap recycling bins. That's great to know, Julia. Thank you for, for sharing that. I did not know that about uh, shrink wrap. Um, I agree it's not ideal, but that's good to have that as a backup if, if people are, are conscious about that or aware of it. Uh, Darius says, have I checked out Zoo Tycoon? It's way different than Arc Nova, more animals, happiness-oriented, interesting approach. I haven't, I've, I have not heard of Zoo Tycoon, no. I do love Arc Nova. Um, and I try to keep my animals happy when I play Arc Nova. Let's see, Jordan says, one other topic about uh, the game design, I think. He says, were you inspired from some type of media like movies, board games, uh, video games for Euphoria. He says, I recently read 1984 by George Orwell, and it reminded me of it. Um, yeah, actually, I have a, when I was designing Euphoria, Euphoria is a, a game based on dystopian fiction, really. It's a, it's a mishmash of different dystopian fiction, although it does have its own cohesive world and story. Uh, I love dystopian fiction, and so I made a giant spreadsheet listing all the dystopian fiction that I love, whether they were books, movies, TV shows, um, I think those were the main three. Yeah, books, movies, TV shows. And uh, just went through and highlighted some of my favorite, like most dystopian aspects of each of them. And many of them get little nods in the game, little Easter eggs show up in Euphoria um, as inspired by those other worlds. And 1984 was certainly one of them, yeah. Tony says, have I backed the game Dog Park? Uh, he's, no, he says, I know you backed it. Have I played it? It was, he says, I was really impressed with the component quality in the collector's edition. I actually did or have played it. Yeah, I received it two weeks ago. And I remember this because I host game night every other Wednesday. And I received it a couple hours before game night. I learned it because I was really excited to play it. Learned it and played it at that game night and really, really enjoyed it. Really love Dog Park. Um, it is, for those of you who haven't played it, it is a, a light engine builder game. And I say light there, not because the game itself is light, but because the engine you're building depends on which dogs you're choosing to go on a walk with you each round of the game. And so you're kind of building this, this uh, tableau of cards, but you're only choosing up to three of them to actually run your engine each round, which I really like. I like that the engine isn't overwhelming in the game, but you have that selection process every round. And you take the dogs on the walk, and the, the walk portion of it is a little bit like Parks or Tokaido, and that you're moving along a trail, but you, uh, as far ahead as you move, you can't move back after that. So you have to decide, do I really... Do I really want this thing? Am I okay skipping over this other thing on the trail? And it just, it comes together really well. I agree that the components are beautiful and it was really easy to teach and learn. And I, I really do look forward to getting it back to the table. It's possible I might get back to the table tonight if I can, if we get through uh, Flamecraft fast enough. But I have already committed to teaching Flamecraft. Carol says, have I gotten any Kickstarters in recently? She says, I feel like many delayed products combined with with on-time projects have been coming in. She says, I recently received four Kickstarters within eight days, even though I backed them months to a year apart. Lots to play now. I feel like I have gotten a few, but I've gotten most of them to the table almost right away, like Flamecraft, like Dog Park. Let's see if there's any others. No, there's no others that I've received right now, but I'm hoping to receive uh, Lands of Galzir. I think that one might be shipping soon. Um, Clank Catacombs wasn't a Kickstarter, but I pre-ordered that. I've been waiting eagerly for that one. Uh, but also, understandably, knowing that like what we're going through right now at port with Wingspan Asia and the Nesting Box, I know that uh, publishers may have thought they were going to receive them a few months ago, and now they're they're just backed up at port. So, 
Uh, Tony says dog park reminds me of a mix of wingspan and parks. Uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty good, a pretty accurate description of of dog park. Although with wingspan, wingspan is much more focused, I think, on the engine building. Dog park, it's a, it's just a light part of it. Um, but the the main corollary between the two is that dog park has a ton of unique dog cards. Wingspan has a ton of unique bird cards. George says, "How is Megan doing? Is she still puzzling? You know, she's gotten uh, she takes breaks from." From jigsaw puzzling every now and then but uh recently she's been doing quite a bit of it so uh in the in the table in our in our bedroom there's there's a, always a puzzle set up there that she's been working on she was a part of the betrayal legacy game or the the two games that we played this past weekend and again i don't want to spoil anything but she her characters were the the only characters that survived uh throughout any of the games so far so uh well, that's one of the cool things in material legacy if, if your character survives they can you can use that character in the next session but older uh, because a, a bunch of years pass between the sessions and so megan has the only like really really old character who's uh, still in the game right now and i'm curious to see how long that lasts what else have, have i been up to i've covered disc golf betrayal legacy played that magic draft this weekend talked about paper wrapped decks of cards watching and or recently freight update for um the nesting box and earlier if you all are just joining me now feel free to go back because i went through the nesting box and how I've organized my nesting box. Um, I'm really excited to get that to you and hopefully in the very near future. Um, what else? Ryan says, there was a small gaming convention outside of DC last weekend. Stillmeyer donated three games for the play and win section. Actually, yeah, just earlier this week, I once a month I go through the play and win request list and I send out play and win games to, um, to, to uh, organizations, events, conventions that, that have requested them. And so uh, I'm glad they made it to your convention, Ryan. And he says uh, they were only they all, almost the only big game boxes there. Thanks for donating. He says he also picked up a used copy of Scythe and can't wait to play. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on Scythe, Ryan. I love hearing people still discover our older games like Scythe. Darius says a very nice comment about my Stillmeyer Games blog. Thank you, Darius, for saying that. I'm glad you're enjoying the blog and uh, hopefully, hopefully you're gaining some, some good utility from, from the things I share on the Stillmeyer Games blog. Josh, who's a little tired today, says he recommends looking into Skeptics from UCAC Games. Such a fun paranormal investigation game. Well, yeah, thanks for the recommendation, Josh. I'll, I will have to check that out. Sounds like an interesting take on the deduction genre, as far, as far as I can tell from your comment there. Julia says, what do you do to keep the cats from walking on the puzzle pieces and moving them all over? She says her cats make puzzles quite challenging. Fortunately, our cats are pretty good at not getting up on the tables. Every now and then they'll discover that there is something above the table surface and they'll jump up there, but it's pretty rare. Um, Biddy and Walter are pretty good at the, about doing that. It's something that when I lived by myself, I was not good about that with the cats. I let them walk anywhere. But when Megan came into my life, she was very good at kind of training the cats and they learned very quickly not to get up on the table. They have plenty of other spots to get on and get under and sit on, but, uh, but not the table. So... Yeah, we've just, we've trained the cats not to do that. I think we've reached the end of the time. Oh, here's, here's a question from Chad. Do you think Marvel Snap could have been or should be a physical card game? I would gladly play a tabletop version of Marvel Snap. And I think for the most part, it could be. It does have some random elements that are, that are generated, I think, by some algorithms behind the scenes. But I think they could be removed. Um. In Marvel Snap, basically a quick summary for those of you who haven't played it. It's a digital game that is very similar to the game Air, Land, and Sea. And I've heard it's also very similar to the game Smash Up, but much shorter. Um, you play over six rounds. 
against one opponent, you're dueling against an opponent, and you're using a 12-card deck. And uh, on your turn, you have between one and six uh, mana. I don't know what they call it. We'll call it mana, mana to spend, to play some cards. And you're playing them on one of three different locations. And you're trying to, by the end of those six rounds, have control over at least two of those locations. So have more power on your side than the other side. So it's a little bit like the game Hanami Koji as well. Um, and the, the, the greatest thing about the game that you can see about if I, in the video that I talk about are these locations because each location has a different rule to it, has a different twist to it. And they really change up when you might want to play cards on different locations and which locations you choose. And the other neat twist is when you start a game of Marvel Snap, you don't know what locations two and three are. All these things that I'm describing can be can be emulated, I think, in a tabletop space. The only thing that's a little difficult, but really it is you can easily work around it too, is that you play simultaneously with the other player. So you are choosing not only the card or cards that you're going to play, but also which locations you're going to play them at. And so that's all done simultaneously as the other player, as they're doing it. And so you would need a way to conceal that information, which, which card, how many cards, and which location, until your opponent has also selected the same thing if you're doing that on the tabletop. But I think that's possible, and I would gladly play it. If they made a tabletop version of Marvel Snap, I would definitely play it. Uh, Corey says that he also enjoys Skeptics. He's been playing it with Josh on Tabletopia and have had a few in-person playthroughs as well. He's really enjoyed it. Okay, I'll also check two people that I trust. Well, I trust all of you. I trust all your judgment, but I've actually gotten to play games with Josh and Corey and know that I like their taste in games, so I will have to check out Skeptics. There's another game mentioned earlier that I'm forgetting now. Um, Hike, the Hike It game? I'll have to check out Hike It. Also, I'm not... So I'm backing a, a Race to the Raft uh, from, from Frank West. Really excited about that one. I'm also... I'm not backing, but I am getting as part of the group that I'm going to play this with, The Queen's Dilemma. And I... even It's $130. It's really expensive. But I really do have to say that The King's Dilemma is one of the best legacy campaign experiences that I've ever had for a game. Uh, and not only just the best, but also the most memorable. Like, we can still tell stories about that specific campaign uh, up to, I don't know, it's been almost two years now since we played it. So I have to recommend it. I mean, if, if you like legacy games, if you have at least two other people that you like to play legacy games with, because you need a minimum of three players, um, and uh, you like the permanent decisions having a huge impact on this kingdom that you're kind of guiding. I, I have to recommend Queen's Dilemma. I have to recommend that you at least consider it. Uh, the campaign is live right now. It's doing well. Um, you only need one person in your group to get it. And so you can kind of maybe share that cost among multiple people. But I am so, so excited to play that game when it comes out late, late next year or maybe early the following year. It's going to take a while. But yeah, I, I can't wait for that. Zoo Tycoon. Daria, thank you. Daria reminds me that Zoo Tycoon is one that I need to look into as well. Zoo Tycoon. Thank you for the recommendation. Uh, Chad says he noticed in my Marvel Snap video that the uh, the background graphic was yellow. Does that does that indicate a difference for... Yeah, oh, well, I'll just answer the question. So, so Chad, I you know I changed the, the backgrounds of the main images that I use, the thumbnail images for um, for YouTube, depending on... The style, like if I'm talking about an expansion, I use a brown background. I use purple for my Sunday videos. I use um, kind of an orange color, orange red for most videos. But yeah, I figured if I'm going to talk about digital games, um, 
I have done that in the, in the past, but they look the same as the other games. I, I think I'm going to use this yellow banner for digital games from now on whenever I talk about them, which won't be very often, but every now and then I do play a digital game, and uh, that way you can differentiate it from the other games that I talk about. Chad points out that X-Wing has hidden dials that you reveal to show movement that can be done for Marvel Snap. Totally agree. Yeah, you could totally do something like that. In fact, Scythe has one of those hidden combat dials as well that you could use to show, like, which is this location one, two, or three, and you can hide cards back there. That would work perfectly. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a great solution for it. All right, I'm going to take off and have some lunch today. Delicious uh, empanada that I bought over the weekend. Have some leftover empanada for lunch today. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for joining me for today's chat. And if you have any questions, feel free to post them on YouTube. It's probably the best place to go. I'm going to put this video up on YouTube now. And you can also post them in the future on Facebook as well. Or next week. I'll see you next week, of course. All right, take care. Bye.